Message Radio. You're listening to The Edge. Everything bass fishing coming to you worldwide from MegaWare Keel Guard Studios. Y'all, welcome to another episode of Bass Edge Radio, the second to last episode here in 2020, number 341. Aaron, as wild as the year has been and it begins to come to a close, uh, still lots of things happening continuously in the bass fishing world, and it is fun to watch as we wind down this wild year. Yeah, wild to say the least. I can't say uh, I don't want to wish my life away, but I'm I'm certainly ready for 2021. And and you are correct, Kurt. There has been a, a lot of things going on in the bass fishing world. A little different as we've talked. We've actually had kind of a fall tournament scene, and uh, something else that we've had for all 341 episodes, and that is MegaWare Keelguard as one of our presenting sponsors of all things Bass Edge. Been there since day one. You know, we're kind of at that place, Kurt, to where everybody's might be uh, thinking about scrambling to find those last-minute Christmas gifts, and certainly MegaWare Keelguard will have you set up with the first do-it-yourself keel protector, the skeg guard, the scuff buster, battery guards, right? Everything that a boat needs, so uh, be sure to check them out at keelguard.com. Kurt, one thing I would do want to shift gears, uh, what in the world is up with a guy by the name of Patrick Walters? <laughs> well, Aaron, for anybody been tuned into the BASS organization and that side of the uh, fishing industry, Patrick Walters just throwing it down, dude. I did a, some quick math. This year in BASS competition, Patrick Walters has won 259560 I'd say 2020 pretty good to Patrick Walters. Yes, yes. And uh, at the age of 26, you know, that's not a bad year. You know, I, I think I would probably take that year. Clear domination on Lake Fork, Aaron. I'm sure a lot of people watched that. Obviously, it didn't happen, you know, yesterday by any means. But uh, once you really are able to sit down, if you didn't watch the live as it was happening there on Lake Fork, the final event in the Bassmaster Elite Series that ended in kind of early-ish November, I guess kind of mid-November. November, early November, but uh, man, what a dominant fashion that he took that tournament in, won by 29 pounds, weighed in over 104 pounds for four days of fishing in the fall, no less. That is just ridiculous. I can remember a few episodes back, you know, we had Ish Monroe on, and I think he won by, you know, a, a wide margin, but I don't believe it was 29 pounds. I mean, that's just unbelievable. Yeah, it's pretty awesome stuff, man. It's fun to watch. You know, there's been several articles kind of spawn out of his victory. We've been touching base on it. You've been doing a lot of playing around with the Garmin units, and uh, that was obviously a big part of his win. And it seems like that's going to be a subject that doesn't go away. Real interested, as always, to see how the uh, other manufacturers jump on board. And, and, you know, always, Aaron, these types of significant changes in the bass fishing technology technology, which is what we're seeing here in late 2019 and all of 2020 in the electronics world, uh, it's just going to make us all more efficient out there on the water. So, And, and it's going to make all the companies right more efficient as well because they've got to keep up to stay in the game. So I'm sure this technology is going to keep going through the roof. Yes, indeed. And uh, certainly I look forward to actually spending more time with that technology. Of course, the last episode, Kurt, 
you know, we spoke a lot about that technology and the help that uh, Danny Smith provided us in, in getting that, that technology installed, but certainly look forward to using that to my advantage, hopefully to my advantage uh, for 2021. I'm sure you will, Aaron. And talking about getting advantages, we're going to continue on with this episode, Aaron, but first got a tackle tip brought to us by protecttheharvest.com y'all stay tuned we'll be right back this episode's protecttheharvest.com tackle tip with u.s open champion tim Klinger. hi this is tim Klinger here and i got a fall tip for you i use a greenworks custom bait tk1 spinnerbait it's compact half ounce spinnerbait with a gold Colorado and a copper Indiana blade with a white skirt. And I use a two-aught Hayabusa trailer hook for that. And it's great all around in the fall season. Thanks, Timmy. Great tip. We'll be sure to check out that spinnerbait, the TK1 from greenworks.com. First by land and now by sea. For years, Lucas Oil has been a staple in high-performance vehicles on both the road and track. Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high-performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas Synthetic-Based Oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and marine products. Visit lucasoil.com. Nitro Performance Bass Boats. Get pro-level performance with the Nitro Z18, the official boat of Major League Fishing. The Z18, with its nimble handling and versatility, sports many of the features in the larger boats in the line, like a Guardian Livewell, a heavily insulated cooler, dual 8-foot rod storage, and our smooth and fast NVT hull. Every Nitro boat is laid out to do one thing very well, catch fish. Enormous front decks up to 45 square feet on the Z21 allow maximum mobility when battling unruly bass and feature low-profile gunnels for ease of skipping, pitching, flipping, or landing fish. Nitro Performance Bass Boats, pure fishing machines. Kurt, we're happy to be partnered with uh, WildWings.com for this segment. And uh, as we kind of fall off the tail end here of the tackle tip and hearing again from Timmy Klinger, like we mentioned in the opening segment, there's been a lot of stuff going on, you know? For sure. Want to talk about giving tips real quick, Aaron. I like to tip it up for my boys. And, uh, you know, I had a friend I was talking to him about. I saw something on Blaster. So we were just in a random fishing discussion. And I mentioned Bass Blaster. And he's like, what's Bass Blaster? I'm like, what do you you mean you don't know what Bass Blaster is? I thought everybody knew. So make sure you give your friend a tip to get on the Bass Blaster. And if you're not on Bass Blaster, I'm going to give you a tip to get on Bass Blaster as well. Just sign up. It's an email newsletter put together by Jay Kumar, BassBlaster at BassGold.com. That's the email address you want to shoot it over to. So tell Jay you need a piece of Bass Blaster because, man, Aaron, as you know, always great information coming from Jay Kumar and that email newsletter about the world of bass fishing. Yeah, good stuff. And um, something else that you might not be aware of, Kurt, is, uh, you know, my life goal is, is making sure that you're happy and taken care of, but you've suffered from seasonal affective disorder for quite some time now. And so, you know, I, I like to call it sad. And so we, we've got a cure for that with Bass Angler Magazine. The new issue is out, buddy. 
Yeah, the winter issue, man. Mark Lassane always putting together a great piece. Uh, talking kayak, bass fishing, anger of the year. Russ Snyder's is part of the issue. Matt Allen from Tactical Bass. And, man, they do a lot of great stuff over there at Tactical Bass. If you haven't checked out their social media, you should. But also, you know, obviously winter issue. So there's a segment there with Brian Latimer that we had on earlier this year at Bass Edge Radio. And he's talking about spooning up some frigid lunkers. So lots of great information, stuff that uh, we all need to get a piece of with Bass Angler Magazine. So just appreciate Mark putting out that uh, great piece that will help get me through my seasonal affective disorder. <laughs> you don't even have to take a medication for that. <laughs> this is my medication. This is my medication. You know, Aaron, we talked a little bit last episode about wildwings.com. You mentioned it at the front end of this segment. I got to say, I really love the social media post that we put up with you kind of modeling the picture, the canvas that you received from wildwings.com. Dude, you're looking good, looking skinny, thin, model-esque. Photoshop is a wonderful thing. That's all I can tell you. No, seriously, man, I was excited. Like we talked about briefly the last time. I mean, I wish a picture of the print of the canvas that I received could do it justice, but uh, I am proudly hanging that uh, in my office. And and like we talked about before, Kurt, you know, Wild Wings, is, it's the nature inspired uh, from glassware to home decor, whether it's, you know, for your house, your cabin, your office, um, just just uniquely inspired items that, that most people in the outdoors uh, can relate to. Well, I want to remind everybody to visit wildwings.com backslash bass edge that's wildwings.com backslash bass edge one more time wildwings.com backslash bass edge to get your 10% off the next order of nature inspired art decor and gifts from wildwings this is going to make a great Christmas Aaron y'all stay tuned what's going to make a great Christmas as well is this Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight we've got the best bass angler from the Bassmaster Elite Series coming up next. Don't go away. I am BASS Elite Series Pro Chad Pipkins. This is Bassmaster Classic Champion Casey Ashley. I am Marcus Sakura, FLW All-American Champion. This is FLW Tour Champion JT Kenny. And be sure to stay tuned right here to Bass Edge Radio. Be at home with nature this holiday season with nature-inspired art, decor, and gifts by Wild Wings at wildwings.com. Explore art prints and canvas wraps of bass, trout, walleye, muskie, and more by acclaimed artists like Mark Sassino. I primarily paint underwater scenes of game fish and usually in a fishing situation, going after prey or going after a lure or a fly. I get asked sometimes whether I like fishing better or artwork. It would be tough to give either of them up. I can't really think of a good reason to give either up, so I'm going to stick with them. Make your home, office, or cabin show off your passion for angling. Visit wildwings.com backslash Bass Edge and sign up for an exclusive offer to Bass Edge listeners of 10% off your next order. Give something special to your loved one and be at home with nature. Visit wildwings.com backslash Bass Edge. That's wildwings.com backslash Bass Edge to get 10% off your next order of nature-inspired art, decor, and gifts by Wild Wings. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything else other than the original and toughest DIY keel protector for your boat, MegaWare Keel Guard. 
Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology. MegaWare KeelGuard Keel Protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also for MegaWare KeelGuard, SkegGuard, FlexStep Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWare KeelGuard. The BASS Angler of the Year title has long been one of the most coveted titles in bass fishing. The FLW Angler of the Year, Bassmaster Classic, or FLW Cup has their place as well. But maybe, Aaron, for being on top of the fishing world as the all-around best in the business, the Bass AOI title has historically set a standard. It's been around the longest, obviously. Bass being the longest-running organization in the sport of fishing. But... Now with four AOI titles, three of those with FLW, Clark Winland has cemented his name into the lore of bass fishing industry with both major organization Angler of the Year titles. Today, we highlight the 2020 BASS Angler of the Year champion, Clark Winland. Welcome to the show, Clark. Oh, great, guys. Thanks for having me. Well, Clark, we're thrilled to have you. You actually made your uh, debut 11 years ago on Bass Edge, if, if that tells you anything, all the way back in May of 2009. So we are glad to have you back and certainly want to uh, echo what Kurt said. Well done on another Angler of the Year title. Curious to know, though, what was really the turning point for 2020 that helped catapult you to have a great shot at the title uh, going into the final couple of events of the season? Well, really, you know, it was such a strange year anyway um you know the year started at st john's so we got one tournament under our belt and then you know coronavirus COVID hit and kind of the whole world's on pause or at least the united states was at that point and so it really gave me an opportunity uh if there was any good that came out of that just to spend a lot of time on the water and i know we all did i mean anybody that likes to fish during that time there was really almost nothing else you could do you could sit around your house and that's about it or you could go fishing and if you could find a boat ramp that was open. So I spent a lot of time on the water. And I think that kind of set up the year to where it just allowed, you know, I mean, I talk about it all the time. Time on the water is huge. And and uh, that was time on the water where I just kind of just rekindled a good joy for fishing, you know, just enjoyed being out there. So that was kind of what got the year started. Certainly gets the, uh, the blood flowing and kind of gets the, um, I want to say comfortability, you know, instead of thinking about a tournament, you know, tournament after tournament as, as is typically a, a strong spring season in the bass fishing world, kind of like you mentioned, Clark, it kind of gave you an outlet to clear your head and just kind of enjoy the passion that you have for the sport. You head in the Chickamauga event, you're relatively in solid control of your destiny. Uh, seems like maybe a couple top 25 finishes, you likely seal the deal. What's your thought process going into the Chickamauga event? Do you have an Angler of the Year strategy for these final two BASS Elite Series tournaments? You know, Kurt, I really didn't. You know, the thing about it is, is in, in the way the bass points work, you know, it's only a 100-point scale. There's only 85 fishermen. So, the way I looked at it was, is I really had to just do as, as good as I could do. You know, these days they, they talk about AOI so early. I mean, you know, three events in and they're already starting to mention it. And, right. you know, there's just so much fishing left to go. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, you know, 
looking back in your FLW angler of the year finishes, you know, they had such a larger field, you know, it was 200 anglers in the field, you know, you finish in the middle of the pack and you could lose a lot of ground where not necessarily the case now with the BASS format. Exactly. And the way I approached the whole year is I just had to go out and fish the best tournament I could. And when it got down to the last tournament, the last day, um, you know, the last day I kind of controlled my own destiny, but before that, at Lake Fork, I didn't. So, you know, I, I just still went out in every tournament and I just fished as good as I could, as hard as I could, found as many fish as I could. And that's just how I fished the year. Going into that Fork event, you know, Chickamauga was kind of tough. You know, I think you go into the Fork in third place. David Mullins is leading, you know, obviously you've got tons of experience in the state of Texas. Uh, everybody that, that follows you and watches your fishing shows knows how much uh, experience you have in those kind of East Texas impoundments. When you go to Fork, are you on edge? Do you feel comfortable? Do you know that anything's possible? Take us back a little bit and what's your thought process going into that last event? Yeah, you know, the interesting thing about the whole thing, looking back on it is, is that, you know, Chickamauga, you know, I was feeling the pressure of AOY. And really, it's kind of self-imposed pressure. You know, to me, it's the most coveted award in the sport to win. And I really wanted to win it. So you just naturally, you just put pressure on yourself. So Chickamauga, I felt the pressure. I don't think I really fished any differently, but I could feel it. And then, uh, but Fork, I really didn't control my own destiny. So, you know, I had to have a good tournament. So that's all I did. I just went out and fished hard and fished as good as I could and maximized my fish and did that really well but i you know i kind of felt like it might have been a little bit of a blessing in the long run just because you know if i would have had a big lead going into fork i think it, the pressure i'm not saying it would have got to me but i would have felt a lot more of it yeah well clark you have tons of experience all over the country and you know coming back to texas for that final event of the year did you get a chance to prepare specifically for the lake fork event or was it more working off of you know past experience and just your overall general knowledge base yeah i actually did have a little bit of time we had time you know i usually don't pre-practice for any tournaments um you know the only two this year that i pre-practiced for was santee cooper and i just learned how to run around for a day and a half and then four because it was actually close and i knew you know i knew the way the year was wrapping up whether it was for a classic berth or whether it was for the chance to win aoy that it would be good to prepare there i've not fished there all that much yeah i film you know fishing and hunting texas here in texas but Fork's not one that I've ever filmed a show on. And I fished it two or three times, but mostly it was a long time ago. So, you know, other than last year when we fished in, in Bay, that was the first time I'd been on it in at least 15 years. So, yeah, I mean, I know those East Texas lakes and I know kind of how they fish and everything. But Fork's a little bit of a different animal. You know, it's timber. It's uh, a lot of timber. It's hard to get around. And the fish act a little different there than they do in most of those lakes. Seems like a lot of what you did there at Fork was concentrate on on your strengths. You know, you you fished shallow water, flipped, punched, fished kind of a standard Texas fall pattern, you know bait fish moving into the backs of creeks and and uh, that that kind of seemed where you your comfortability was is that something you found in practice as like pre-practice you mentioned you getting 
to go there a little earlier. But um, talk to us a little bit about what kind of patterns you saw and, and how it relates to even fall fishing now. Obviously, we're you know right here at the beginning of December, but in Texas, we really haven't moved off a whole lot out of fall into you know kind of winter transition yet. So if you could talk to us a little bit about that, it'll help some guys that are out right now fall fishing. Yeah, you know, fall is an interesting time, you know, and, and I think, you know, I kind of always gone with the, the mantra that, you know, Rick Clun kind of taught us years ago, hey, backs of creeks, go to the very back of the creek, and, and that's kind of where you start. And, and I still kind of approach it that way. The place I fished at Fork was a place that I found um, in pre-practice. It was a hard place to get to. You know, there's just so many stumps. You had to idle a long, long way to get back there. And, you know, I ended up in practice, I just fished that whole creek. And then I just learned kind of where the best areas were. And then in the actual practice, when we had our three-day practice, I went back in there first morning and I and I found some fish. I mean, I, I, I caught some. And, you know, kind of realized it was a place that I wanted to fish. And I like, yeah, I like that, that kind of fishing. I mean, to me, you needed to be winding something for the most part. I ended up catching some back there punching. Had no earthly idea that I was even going to do that. I mean, I had the rod right. up. But that just kind of happened on, oh, that looks good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go over there. And, and, you know, if you really think about it, tournament bass fishing, that's what good tournament bass fishing is. You're in an area, you know, you're just all of a sudden something clicks. You say, hey, I'm going to go try this. Boom, you go try it, and, and you catch one. And the biggest one I had the whole tournament was a, you know, four, four and a half, maybe five pounder that I flipped in on a mat. That was literally like my second or third flip the whole tournament. And, um, you know, kind of gave me some momentum on the second day. Very well done. You know, great to see you again win the Angler of the Year with BASS. I know it's uh, another feather in your cap, and, and you've got so many in there already. When we talk about kind of moving into pattern fishing, where are we going to be at right here as we enter, you know, early December? You know, Texas is a very interesting. I moved here from Virginia in 2008. As I moved here, I realized the fall process in Texas is actually – much longer than most other places of the country. And so you really get to understand those fall patterns a little bit more significantly, in my opinion, and kind of how that progression works, because it actually is a very slow progression. Seems like fall in Texas kind of starts in late September, October, and really runs through about the middle of December, and depending on the year, can even run into early January. What are you going to do this time of year, Clark, as you hit the water, looking for bass, are you going to stay in the backs of creeks? Uh, what kind of uh, activity are you going to look for on the water that's going to direct you in a place to go catch some fish this time of year? Well, the one thing I look for, and you're right, Texas fall lasts a long, long time. And, and you know, the process kind of actually starts right around the 1st of September when a lot of those lakes will end up turning over and the water quality out deep just is not all that great. Now, there's still fish that will stay out there. And when they get past that, they might go back deep. They may suspend for a while. But for the most part, um, that time of year, I'm, I'm always concentrating on bait fish. In Texas, it's shad. You know, most places in the south, we're talking about shad. Places up north, there'll be a lot of different kinds of bait fish. But that's just what they feed on. You know, it's not like a craw. I'm not thinking crawfish, and I'm not thinking bouncing something off the bottom. Nearly as much as I'm thinking about suspended and how, you know, whether it be a swim bait, whether it be a crankbait, whether it be a jerk bait. I mean, something to work through the mid-levels of the water column. 
And the thing about it is, is I usually start in the backs of the creeks. And a lot of times when we get into December and January, I'll still be focused that way. But fish are really scattered that time of year, it seems like. You know, even you look at Lake Fork, and I mean, guys caught them in the very backs of creeks, and guys caught them out on the main lake. They're just everywhere. And so, you know, you just got to look in that mid to upper level of the water column focus on bait fish and throw baits that are going to help you in that well. Great tips, Clark. We're going to continue chatting about late fall bass fishing, how it's going to transition in the winter. But first, we need to power pole down for a pause in the show. Stay right here. We'll return shortly with 2020 BASS Angler of the Year champion, Clark Winlet. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the power pole is the ultimate shallow water boat positioning tool. Swift, Power Pole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, Power Pole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong current or gusting winds in up to eight feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. Power Pole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. Bass Edge Radio is presented in part by Mercury Marine, returns with BASS elite angler Clark Winlet in the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. That's right, Lucas Oil high-performance marine products. Be sure to visit the BassEdge.com store for free shipping on all Lucas products. It works. Clark, before uh, we left off there for break, um, chatting some ways to attack late fall fishing, and I'm interested to understand how... Uh, you recognize, I guess, changes that occur where the winter behavior patterns will begin, you know, out producing kind of other fishing strategies. Well, you know, the thing about it is, is that, you know, in December, it just kind of depends a little bit on what part of the country you're in. I'm, I'm in Texas, and so that's where I've got experience. I really don't have any experience fishing anywhere else because that time of year, there's not all that many tournaments. But I'm still thinking bait fish, and I'm still thinking suspended fish. And it even works that way, you know, all the way through the winter into pre-spawn. It doesn't mean you're not going to catch fish really, really deep, and you're going to, you know, when when you get in true winter patterns. But Texas doesn't see what I would consider real, you know, true winter patterns that often. Uh, the fish typically, you know, the wa- coldest water temperature we ever get is high 40s, and that's only on a really, really bad cold front. For the most part, the water temperature is going to hover around low 50s, and you can still catch them on baits, and you can actually still catch them shallow a lot of times, but on baits that are moving and, you know, maybe stuff like a jerk bait or stuff like a crankbait. So I kind of stay in my comfort zone for that. I, I, I like fishing a little bit shallower maybe than most guys do and don't really go with a really, really deep presentations that often. Clark, in that fall-winter transition you, you speak of, a lot of anglers get, I don't want to say confused, but they're kind of in a toss-up, right? When do you consider a move to hardcover versus grass if both are prevalent in a fishery? Yeah, and for me, that change is going to come, you know, kind of mid to late winter. You know, in Texas, I'd be thinking that kind of January, February time frame. But, you know, we're still talking about a month to two months before the spawn. And it's a little bit, it's just the angler's job, you know, when he's out there fishing to figure that out. You know, what I know is, is that, yeah, they may end up on hardcover on a grass lake. You know, grass typically is going to dominate it, but it's always something you think about. It's always something that's on your mind that time of year, whereas another time of year, you might not even think about it. And so, you know, really more or less trial and error, just getting out there, trying a little bit of what you think might work and if it doesn't then you just go back and go back with the grass grass is always a good enough option you can always 
you're always going to catch some. It doesn't mean there's not a better option. Though. Clark, I got to agree with you. I, I'm always trying to kind of fonder around in the grass. Um, you know, growing up on the Potomac River, even once it starts getting warm enough out there, you know, typically in March and you start seeing some pre-spawn, any kind of little fleck of grass you can find in the water, it seems like the bass definitely want to, you know, kind of be a magnet to those areas. As you see, you know, these transitions take place, um, you know, obviously some places in the country it happens a lot quicker than than it does here in in the state of texas but i'm interested to understand how we can use these fall winter behavior patterns to bring success in the springtime once kind of tournaments do become a standard on the weekends i mean is it productive for an angler or have you found it productive for yourself in the past to go fishing a lot in the off tournament season to gain an advantage once the tournament season begins again in the springtime well i mean i definitely think that whenever you can get on the water you know that time on the water really is better than any other way to prepare for tournament fishing there's no question about that i mean even if you're not going to be doing what you might be doing in a tournament just preparing yourself now as far as the spring goes and you know kind of transitioning from winter into spring you know like in texas i can fish really the same patterns in the winter is I can fish in the, say, real early spring. Um, it, it's kind of a transition time, but those fish suspend so often. You know, they want to get up in the water column because that's where the water starts to warm. And so a lot of times they're sitting there around a tree or around the top of grass, and you can access them that way. Now, you may have to fish slower and, and a lot more methodically when the water's cold, but a lot of times those fish will be in those same places. You know, Clark, you bring up a very good point about the geography, right, of you guys, you and Kurt being in Texas and, and how, you know, there's not as big of a distinguish between just like what you mentioned. You're able to fish, kind of uh, take those patterns and those techniques with you into the early spring, hit the same spots. Here, I'm from Missouri. You know, our northern brethren this time of year, they, they're they lucky if they don't have hard water already, you know, when we're talking about this. But trying to kind of understand more of those winter movements and how they relate to more or less the fall patterns that we've kind of uh, are departing from and, and the pre-spawn patterns that we'll be talking about here in, in the coming weeks. Are, are there any ad- additional thoughts or, or clues or advice that you would pass on to kind of Bass Edge listeners for a good starting point and how to target those fish? Well, you know, one thing that I think you've got to think about as that, you know, in those winter months when, you know, when it's getting truly, really cold, uh, the water temperatures are starting to dip down. They're getting in the low 40s and maybe even the 30s in some areas is just your cadence and how quickly you work your bait you know bass just don't respond real well to fast that time of year they typically need slow now it doesn't mean that you can't catch them jerking a spoon or maybe jerking a jerk bait but a lot of times your cadence is going to get a lot slower so that you know that those bass can get there and a lot of times i think they just sit there and they'll get closer and closer to the bait you jerk it again they get closer and closer to it and finally they'll commit to it you would think they did just run in there and get it, but they just don't work that way when the water's really cold. Great point, Clark. I can think about a lot of times when, uh, you know, you change a lipless crankbait cadence or a vibrating jig and, and so many of those, you know, you speak of those 
kind of horizontal presentations to imitate that shad and and how important just a turn of the reel handle or a quick pause of the reel handle will initiate a strike and and oftentimes I think we miss that process we just run around the lake cranking something the same speed constantly and then and then we're not successful and we can't understand why you know our friend or the boat next to us caught you know seven or eight or nine fish but just because maybe that cadence was a little bit different interesting you bring up cadence we're going to dive into the listener question segment of the show brought to us by nitro performance bass boat this question was actually sent in by a gentleman named tom ryan and tom asked specifically about a cadence when jerkbait fishing tom says could you explain the importance of a cadence when fishing a jerkbait in the fall and winter how long do you wait before changing a cadence or do you just change your lures if you're not getting bit well that's that's a great question the thing about it is is it's jerkbait fishing you know i mean jerkbait's a great bait that time of year one thing about jerkbait fishing is is you generally need fairly clear water. But if you've got a lake that's fairly clear and, you know, the water's cold, I'll always have a jerkbait or a multiple jerkbait. As far as the cadence goes, the way I look at it is, is that's kind of the angler's job to figure that out. What you have to realize is that every body of water is going to be different. And you, as you go out and start fishing, you know, you kind of go with whatever your bread and butter is, whatever you like the best as a cadence. And if it's not working, then you start changing. And so uh, a lot of times in the winter, especially around some of those Ozark places around Missouri, like we've been talking about, I'll experiment and let my bait sit there for a long time. And what I mean by that is, is I'll jerk, jerk, and then I may pause it for, you know, even 15, 20 seconds. A lot of guys go 30 seconds to a minute. And I have a hard time going 30 seconds to a minute. <laughs> you start really realizing how long that is it's a long time yeah but sometimes that's just what it takes if they're suspended like that that's what you've got to be able to do when they're suspended you've got to figure out what cadence is going to get that fish to bite and a lot of times a long pause will actually get you to bite clark you got me thinking there you know in in that type of situation in your experience does the cadence would that hold true for let's say if you're fishing on a larger reservoir and the reason why I'm asking that is if, let's say if Tom is out with his buddies and they decide, hey, you fish uh, on a, you know, a three count, whatever cadence, and I'm going to do it for 30 seconds, like you mentioned, uh, and then you talk amongst yourselves, is that something that can be duplicated, you know, across all parts of the reservoir, or is it just kind of dependent upon what area that Tom might be in the lake at that point in time? Yeah, I think it can be duplicated, typically on a lake, you know, and, and that happens all the time in tournament fishing. You might have a buddy that's fishing the same tournament, and he says, hey, man, I started pausing it for, you know, 20 seconds and, and started getting some bites. And, you know, Kurt knows, I mean, hey, many, many times, you know, you need a little something. Because, see, in tournament fishing, what people need to understand is, and or just going fishing either way, is, is that figuring out the cadence is so often what gives one guy the advantage over somebody else. It might just be a slower retrieve. It might be a faster retrieve, or it might be something radical, like really working it fast or really, really working it slow. And so, you know, in those situations, I think throughout a lake, you can use that one. If it's happening in one area, more than likely it'll be happening in another. Yeah, good stuff. I, I want to follow this up uh, another tidbit here that I'd love to hear Clark kind of expand on. Clark, you talked about a couple times throughout the interview about it being the angler's job to kind of dissertain or figure out a process. I think so many times weekend anglers, uh, weekend tournament anglers, 
anglers that haven't won four angler of the years like Clark Winland has, they get into this uh, process where they're not using their mind. They're kind of numbing just going fishing and doing different things, whether it's throwing a jerk bait, chatter bait, lipless crank bait, you know, whatever it is that, that they're doing out there. You know, I've always thought that some of the smartest anglers are the best anglers. And sure, it has something to do with them, you know, time on the water, and then they can relate to experiences. And that's all important. But really, it's the analytical thought process. And that's really what you're talking about. How often do you bring in that analytical thought process throughout the day? Is it something that's just constantly running through your mind every time that you're going fishing, obviously, specifically in a tournament situation, but even just as you're you're out fun fishing during the pandemic between events because there's so much time going on and how important do you feel that is to the success of bass anglers well i really think it's everything i mean the 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 whole key to being a good fisherman yeah you need the information and like the information we're providing to listeners right now is stuff you need but as a fisherman every situation is different and we want to say that on uh, at Sam Rayburn in the spring, everybody's going to be throwing a lipless crankbait because that's what's happened for years and years. But, you know, that's just a place to start. I mean, all this information that we got that, that we can get so readily, whether on the Internet or whether on podcasts or whether on the radio or however we get it, that's just a framework. And, and as a fisherman, if you're not asking yourself questions as you're fishing, like how can I do something better? I mean, a lot of times, even when I'm really catching them good, I'm thinking to myself, there's got to be a better bait. I mean, there's just got to be. And I think that that's, um, I'm not going to say that sets me apart, but I just think to be a really good fisherman, number one, you cannot have anything set in stone when you put your boat in the water because it's a live fish we fish for. It changes all the time and every one of them is different anyway. And so you've got to be ready to change constantly. And if you're not ready to change, you know, the worst tournaments I ever have is when I get set in my ways and, you know, have a great practice and just think, well, I'm going to catch them this way. Inevitably, there's no possible way to do that. In four days, you're going to have to make some changes. And the thing about it is, is you don't even know what those changes are. You, you don't know them until they happen. And that's the hardest thing to do, especially for somebody that's really analytical. They want it to be black and white on a piece of paper. They're going to go do this thing. And that's not the way it works. I mean, it just doesn't work that way. It, it, at the time, you get that intuitive sense that you need to do something different or you better just go do it because that's the way. That's what really, truly good fishing is. Yeah, that's fantastic advice right there, Clark. And like you said, don't just go out there and go through the motions. So, Tom, you just got your question answered by four-time Angler of the Year, Clark Winlet. And uh, appreciate you doing that, Clark. And certainly, Tom, for sending that in. And congratulations for your question being chosen. One more thing that we need from you, and that is to log on to BassEdge.com. Click on the Claim Your Prize tab, fill out the information, and we will get the Bass Edge gift sent directly to you. And as always, Bass Edge listeners, keep firing in those questions to our email, support at BassEdge.com. If your question is chosen to be on the show, you will get a special Bass Edge gift sent to you. And uh, we look forward to seeing more listener questions as we continue on with 2020 and, of course, all of next year, 2021. Well, Clark, uh, congrats again on your fourth Angler of the Year title before we depart any final uh, words for bass edge nation well you know what i'm a passionate fisherman that just i I love bass fishing and i appreciate you know all the support that i've got after winning aoy you know it's a 
truly, I'm thankful and just humbled for the chance to be able to compete for something. And, you know, it was a great year. I look forward to next year, especially the classic that's going to be in North Texas. It ought to be a great year. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, you bet, Clark. Thanks for being on the show. We will be looking for a repeat performance. Love to see you tackle another AOY and have a great classic finish. We wish you the best in 2021. Bass Edge Nation, don't move a muscle. Aaron and I will return in a moment. You know the importance of protecting your investments. So why use anything else other than the original and toughest DIY keel protector for your boat? MegaWare Keel Guard. Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology. MegaWare Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also for MegaWare Keel Guard, Skeg Guard, Flex Step Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWare Keel Guard. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the PowerPole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. Hard, hard to believe, 11 years, uh, 12 years range since we had Clark on the episode, but so cool that uh, he was able to capitalize and, and bring his fourth Angler of the Year title to his uh, trophy wall. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, I was reading some things, kind of prepping for the interview and, and really didn't get in this interview at all. But Clark is actually the oldest angler of the year in history of the Bassmaster Award. So um, that's pretty cool. There should be some kind of nickname. You know, you like got like George Cochran, if you remember the old days, you got oh, yeah. George and, and you got G-Man, you know, Gerald. Twain. I'm not sure if Clark's got a nickname, but um, he should. There's a lawyer in Texas. They call him the Texas Hammer. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Clark, the Texas Hammer Winlet or something like that. I don't know. But uh, four AOY titles, Aaron. I don't care where you got them, how you got them, or when you got them. Just shows the long-lasting ability and skill of Clark. And, I mean, dude, he's in the lore of bass fishing. He was already. And now he's just adding on to that list. And definitely more to come. Clark Winland is the man, bro. Yeah. And for those perhaps new to the sport or new to Bass Edge, you know, Angler of the Year is about consistency, right? Of being able to go out there tournament after tournament and uh, put all that together. It is not, <laughs> not at all an easy title to win. Angler of the Year often noted as the most sought after in the Angling World Championship. Now, when you look at media and, and other things like that, maybe a classic win or or what used to be FLW Cup, and maybe now coming in the future, a Red Crest MLF championship, or being the world championship. But uh, from an angler's perspective, the Angler of the Year title, specifically in the history and lore, the Bassmaster Angler of the Year title is Creme 
de la creme, period. No questions asked. <laughs> no doubt. And and speaking of uh, creme de la creme, we certainly appreciate our top shelf Bass Edge Nation listeners and certainly aware there are numerous ways that uh, you could be spending your time and we thank you for spending it with us. As we head into the holiday season here on December 1st, be sure to check out BassEdge.com, the BassEdge.com store, Jay McNamara's book, the videos, all kinds of stuff uh, going on there and certainly stay up to speed on all things Bass Edge through our social media. In the meantime, hope everybody has a good couple weeks. Stay safe, be well, and we look forward to talking with everyone again on episode 342, December 15th. So long, everybody. The Edge is presented by MegaWare KeelGuard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com. And be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Nitro Boats, Lucas Oil, ProtectTheHarvest.com, Mercury Marine, Lawrence Electronics, PowerPole, and Rapaholic.com.